Hello and welcome to the Literally Gagging podcast. This is a podcast where we're always looking to explore the spicier side of literature, ideally with a big glitzy Bollywood musical number thrown in for good measure. So if you're not into melodrama and movie making and fucking in the rain, if a corner is a little bit too spicy for you and you think that three is definitely a crowd, then this may not be the podcast for you. As always, um, my name is Hannah and I'm do you know people who think a korma is too spicy? Absolutely, I do. Embarrassing people. <laughs> be ashamed of themselves. What, what's your curry go-to? How spicy do you like it? I say I don't really know what's spicy. I just get what I... A, a dopiaza? Is that spicy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Dopiaza can be, yeah. But I also, like, I know people who think soft mints are too spicy. So <laughs> my friends my friends are very white. Let's make that clear. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the curse of being white, isn't it? I have some really fucking white friends what is your go-to curry oh i like i like a boona it's a fragrant one i like a boona i want indian now i've not had indian ages i know oh it's the one type of food that i know i will never be able to learn to cook to the level that i want to like i'm not an amazing cook anyway but i enjoy cooking and i really like food and i'm like if i could cook good indian food i would be so happy and i know that is just not in my cards that's not gonna happen i think it's because i don't use ghee i think you have to use ghee to get it i think that makes the difference i think it really does do you know i lived in birmingham for two and a half years and i never went to um Wait, so Manchester's the Curry Mall and Birmingham's the Balti Triangle, isn't it? I never went to the Balti Triangle. Still haven't been to the Curry Mile either. Have been to the Curry Mile. Big recommend Mile Lahore. Very, very good. My favourite thing about it is that I think as well, again, it's like a very British view of Indian food as you think it's all like white tablecloths and like fucking things they bring out over little flames and all this kind of shit. But Mile Lahore is literally like being in a McDonald's except all the foods are made. Like it's that level. Because there were loads, when we went in, like there were loads of families and it was like a week day night and it was clearly like it's quick and it's easy but the food was really really good it was amazing and um how are you apart from hungry for indian food i am very good i had a lovely day trip to eastbourne today lots of old people lots of me walking around going this is where this scene from angus songs and perfect snogging was filmed and my partner being like i don't give a fuck because i have not seen that film and i don't intend to watch it but i had a lovely time as we all know and of all viewed i am an extra in that film if any of our listeners want to try and spot me in it good luck let us know if you can find me are we going to give them any more information than that or just could be in any arbitrary scene in the background (laughs) any arbitrary scene in the background yeah so that was very fun um and i think i am going to try and convince him to watch it with me after this because i just it just it is honestly if someone asked me what my favorite film was i think it might be angus songs and perfect snogging it just makes me so happy what have you been up to today at the weekend i probably shouldn't say this because bob Boris will find me and find me 10 grand but went to the Lake District with some pals it was very enjoyable we ate a lot we how many how many pals Molly how many pals were there um there were four of us correct answer <laughs> yeah no there were four of us so it was all fine we were in a cottage and there was a big house next door which you can rent out and apparently it's two and a half grand to rent out the big house over Christmas a day so they all turned up like later on at night and I said so next morning we're sat there like drinking our mimosas eating our brunch the people from the the big house are like jogging around the front garden area and we're there just bitterly like fuck off <laughs> enjoy your morning run <laughs> yeah enjoying your run i'm going to have some more prosecco <laughs> oh i miss having friends i miss drinking in the morning I miss going and sleeping in places that are not my bed. I'm glad you had a nice time. It's enjoyable not being in the house. And uh, what are you drinking today? I am drinking. It is by a company called Eagle Brewery and it is their banana bread beer. And um, it... It's really nice. If you like bananas, it's proper nice. It does actually taste like bananas. Really? Is it not like a bit dense when you drink it? Do you not feel like you're eating a cake? No, it's not that bad actually because it's quite light considering the fact that it's like a flavoury one. And it just kind of has like a... The first to get you to taste you get is beer. 
And then there's like, oh, a hint of banana. It's very nice. I'm impressed. What are you drinking? Oh, just a rum and coke, keeping it classic. Sometimes you just can't can't mess with the classics. And um, would you like to tell everybody what we are reading this week? So today we are reading Spice and Smoke, a Bollywood confidential. So we are going for something a little bit different, a little bit not like us, and that we're diving into a polyamorous, hidden, gay love romance today which is all very exciting set against sort of a bollywood background and i think we should preface all of this by saying turns out we both know fuck all about bollywood nothing about bollywood no nothing at all honestly the nearest i've got and this is probably not good by people who know bollywood standards have you seen the film bride and prejudice yes that is literally all the information I have. Oh, okay. I think I've seen Om Shanti Om, which was like that's a very fi- another I've, I've big. Not seen yeah, that one. I know of it, but I've not seen it. And um, bend it like Beckham the musical. They try and start a bit of that off as Bollywood, don't they? Yeah, that was honestly bend it like Beckham the musical better than it should have been. I really enjoyed it. I think we were sat, we got day tickets that were like maybe a tenner. Best bit, the bit we were most impressed by was obviously they had like footballs on stage they were doing choreo with and stuff, which was impressive because it's always impressive. I always think it's impressive when someone introduces like a, a mad prop into some choreo and you're like, the number of times I bet you hit yourself in the face with that is insane. But then when they do like the big goal or whatever at the end, they kick a ball the ball goes into the wings but then they use a spotlight and they like swing it around the whole room and then the ball comes like whatever and it was it was good i enjoyed it it was very fun fun is the word so yeah we don't know an awful lot about this subject but we did enjoy this book we did enjoy it and i think we've learned a little bit along the way as well i definitely learned more about um partly sort of the culture and stuff and how they handle lgbt issues there's a lot in this book considering the fact that it's quite yeah for 120 pages 120 pages it's quite short there was an awful lot packed into the book there's also uh, a lot of hindi in the book and neither one of us do speak hindi so i'm gonna say that if we're reading quotes and it sounds like we are like umming and ahhing it's because we're skipping past the hindi because what the author does is she says what the hindi is in english just afterwards like in a it's a very well written way that she does it but i don't want to destroy someone else's language that i have zero experience in speaking so uh, we will be leaving all hindi alone in this book it does work quite well and there were bits where i i did have google translate hindi to english open just to check but 90 percent of the time if she says a phrase in hindi she'll then say it immediately afterwards in english but in a way that works not in like a patronizing way the author of this book is called Suleika. Suleika Snyder is a best-selling and award-winning author of contemporary erotic romance whose works have been showcased in Entertainment Weekly, BuzzFeed and The Times of India. So kind of getting, because I was interested as well, I didn't know if this would be like a very westernised version of it and maybe not if it still has that appeal in India that people are, they're not going like, oh, this is like a bastardised American version of whatever. She's a second generation Indian-American who grew up in the heartlands of America and kind of between those two cultures and from a very early age she was very interested in media so books obviously because she's a writer but also film and television and I think that comes across in this a great deal because the whole thing is set on a film set and from the little bit of research I've done it seems like if you and this could be wrong um it's it seems like Bollywood culture and that knowledge is really just in great if you were kind of from India or grew up in India you have that information about the culture in the way that we know all the different people that Brad Pitt have been married to just kind of like by you know it even if you don't really yeah. care I know who the Kardashians are I don't really care I feel like it's that version of it is this is yeah. just information that you have they still have that celebrity culture but it's Bollywood not Hollywood. Exactly. She started out in writing in fan fiction, which I think you can tell a little bit. Not that it's a bad thing. I think fan fiction is amazing and it's an amazing way for writers to start because obviously you're flexing those creative muscles, you're writing. And honestly, this is my high horse. This is my fucking TED Talk topic. If writing fan fiction was something that boys typically did, everyone would love it. But because it's a thing that teenage girls do, it gets laughed at. I thought boys also wrote, like teenage boys also wrote fan fiction. It 
tends to be girls because they tend to be picking up shipping and love stories the interpersonal threads that they feel because obviously if you're like super into the avengers there's only a certain they pepper in the interpersonal stuff but mostly it's action and typically women want those romances and friendships and stuff and will write them my favorite thing about this is that she's start she's started her fan fiction career writing fan fiction of 21 jump street like which is not a fandom I was aware existed. That's not like a typical starting I mean, point, I don't think. It must exist because they have the film, don't they? Enough people must have loved the TV show so that the film got remade. So, yeah, okay. Because the, the big fan fiction starting points are normally like Star Wars, Doctor Who, Harry Potter, Twilight. So I was impressed that she's gone a bit niche with it and I appreciate that. But since kind of the starting point was 21 Jump Street fan fiction, she has written a wide array of novels, trying really hard to be an advocate for diversity and inclusivity in publishing and I think you can really tell when you read this book and it's something that she has been very vocal about in the bit of research that I've done is the need for representation of all kinds within all publishing but particularly again within as we spoke very briefly with Eva Lee about within the romance genre it is very homogenous and so the fact that she has been able to pepper bits of her like culture that like the other side of her culture into it is really interesting she currently lives in Chicago and she finds a lot of her inspiration from Bollywood films daytime and primetime soaps and anything that involves chocolate or bacon is what it says here and i was like oh yes i love chocolate and bacon i was this is this will be a girl after molly's own heart <laughs> this was her first novel and i think you can tell but she also addresses that herself in like a little forward thing where she's like this was my first novel and going back mm. and reading it, it's not as good as my other novels but i chose not to edit it up because i thought it was more fun to let it out into the world in its original form i think props to her on that like you can definitely tell when you read it because some of the characters you can't tell what their motives are a lot of the time or what their back history is and then we get extra characters introduced who don't really add anything to the plot but they're just there there's an awful lot happening and there are some bits that are almost like too delved into and then there are other bits that you're like i want more information about that i don't really understand (laughs) this character's motivations at all overall fun is my review fun it's an enjoyable read it's a fun book i will say as well that there are quite a lot of sex scenes but i think they're a lot tamer than we are used to they're like they're quite spicy in that as i say there is a lot of sex and it doesn't shy away from being fairly graphic in I think a way that fan fiction often is fan fiction can be like quite graphic but compared to some of the books we've read it almost feels a little bit like going through the motions of it rather than really getting into it yeah it felt like a bit like when we were reading Jackie Collins and it would just do fade to black when it got to the sex scenes it was like we got that but we just had like a little torch showing us what that fade to black looked like it could have been a bit more in depth for what we needed but there were a lot of them sprinkled through the story so you you know you were never too far away from getting a sex scene really yeah and i say for 120 pages you're averaging a lot of sex within this book a lot of it is sex <laughs> and also a lot of it which the thing that i think she does the best which is as we know is my favorite thing is the back and forth the banter the build-up is all very very good so you almost want the sex scenes to be like pow at the top of that and then not always but it doesn't accumulate in a sex scene so we'll take it should we um should we get into it should we start diving it so we start with the little prologue love a prologue love an epilogue love finding out little bits of people's lives that's why we read really isn't it so we open up on a gentleman called avi he was in college at nyu but has been pulled out of school and this is a quote from the book it says he's been pulled out for a emergency de-gaying and sent to india to be de-gayed yeah sent to india to be de-gayed spoiler alert it doesn't work no and it gets told that he shouldn't be a pop star because that's not a realistic career but he should be a movie star because he's got the face of a movie star so naturally he does we're gonna say as well kind of up top because because there's a lot of it in the book and we don't need to describe it every time i just assume everyone in this book looks like a fucking model because they're all incredibly attractive they talk about how modelly they are they're always like this person looks like a sports illustrated model and his cheekbones and his abs and he's always taking his shirt off in these films so he has to look good so 
everyone is paying AF in this book. And then after Avi, we move to Trishna. Trishna comes from acting dynasty and traditionally gets whatever she wants. At the age of 16, she becomes an actor and auditions for a soap where she meets a gentleman called Harsh. And from that moment on, she decides she wants him and she will marry him. For some reason, which is never really delved into, Harsh doesn't want that. No, he never reciprocates these feelings and we don't know why. It just says that he builds a wall up around himself. But we don't know what caused this emotional wall, whether it was Trish's dad saying, don't you date my 16-year-old daughter, or whether he had issues with previous romantic baggage. We just don't know. I feel like he's the one with the least backstory out of all of them. He's like Saint Harsh, and it's because he's never had a big scandal. He's just like a really nice guy who just kind of, he goes in, he does the job, he just cracks on. He doesn't really have a great deal of like a personal life but even as a reader you don't get some insight into his personal life in his head he's just like saint harsh all the time we get to modern day and by modern day i mean 2012 <laughs> oh god that eight was years so ago. long ago eight years ago that was eight years ago i was starting my year abroad in 2012 that's mental that i lived in paris oh <laughs> you're like what did you not know i lived in paris, paris. What, was I doing? what was i doing um, um and then so Trish and Avi walk out hand in hand. They are like the hot power couple. They're hot, like it's like Brad and Angelina walking onto set together. Yeah, and this is the first time they've worked together in ever or in years. In like yeah. years. And in so years, it's a big years. deal. Whoever this producer in has really pulled at like yeah, essentially getting like the Brad and Angelina of Bollywood on the same film is like a massive, massive deal. And we've been we've been introduced to both of them as these younger characters separately and then suddenly we're into the story we're gonna to be told. They're married, they've been married for a little while now and they're this six years, yeah. Yeah. This big icon couple. Walking towards them are their co stars Michael and Harsh. Obviously, Trish and Harsh met on the set of the show and she loved him, but something, it, it didn't work out. We don't really know why. And Michael is, I think, is openly gay within the Bollywood community, but not gay in the media, like not out to. He's like as open as he is allowed to be because he's. Yeah, he's kind of like a, a Hugh Jackman or a Bradley Cooper, you know? Yeah, because he's half British. A lot of them are like, obviously, Avi's got like the American influence whereas he's like half British and in this film he's playing the sort of British Asian character. Because the film's called The Raj which is about like how we went and fucked up India essentially. Yeah and then like one of them's playing a revolutionary or whatever but it says that Michael had been luckier than most. The industry protected its own so stardom and a few well-placed bribes had allowed him to live his life as an open secret. So the people he works with know that he's gay but it's not public knowledge because although the country is struggling to make strides in decriminalising homosexuality it had always been a safe place to walk around hand in hand with another bloke. Such things were not gay as the West defined them but simple gestures of affection and camaraderie. So it's interesting the sort of different views of sexuality and relationships and they talk about this film called Dostana from 2008 which is a real film because we googled it which is a romantic comedy about two male friends who pretend to be a gay couple and that and and they both fall in love with a woman and that's the plot but it became like a shorthand in India it became like a point of reference that people could use to refer to gay couples and they're like oh it's it's all a bit Dostana isn't it and that was like an acceptable thing to say about a man and his friend or whatever I think they say in the book it's something like it took homosexuality out to people in villages and it it made it a bit more normal for like this more rural communities who might not have a G-A-Y late it became like a thing that people had on their radar in a way maybe they wouldn't have done before and clearly had made some kind of step even though it says here like even though it was very cringy stereotypy and they're not even gay in the film it kind of gave people a vocabulary for it so as they're all meeting each other it says here trish's gaze flicked across the stage where harsh and michael were shaking hands with the music director avi's hand tightened in hers his thumb tracing filthy words on her skin it was a trick he perfected over the years smiling beautifully beautifully 
I think this must be beautifully, while spelling out, I want to fuck you against her palm or her wrist. Only this time, it wasn't I want to fuck you. It was I want to fuck him. Him, Michael, a model turned actor. He was half British and half Indian. And so this is the first intro we get to Trish and Avi's open relationship because obviously he was sent to India to be de-gayed and he got married to a woman, but that hasn't stopped him from having his own little life alongside that. And they're open, but it very much is like an openness for his convenience. It says that she had kind of done a, she like slept with a few people, but it was very much like his thing is that it was his way of being able to be gay and still have a wife. They still sort of love each other. They have an affection towards each other and they still sleep with each other. It's just that he also likes bombing dudes, which is fine. You can love more than one person. Absolutely. And it says that not only does she not really kind of sleep with other people, her part of this seems to be as like a stage manager she'll like sit in the corner and direct and i was like that's sort of that's quite hot (laughs) yeah she like directs it and she'll what it's progressive but i don't know if it's something i could personally do like if my husband was banging another dude in front of me and i'd be like more to the left you need we need more light on his balls like what (laughs) i feel like you're neglecting his nipples you need to really get in there <laughs> yeah, he likes his ear being slapped. Please do that now. I I feel like that'd be a bit awkward. I mean, once she yeah, very progressive. So in this book as well, some of the sex scenes just cut away into scenarios. So whilst Abby's fantasizing about Michael, Trish is fantasizing about Harsh. And we get our first sort of sex scene. But it says here it's like scenario 1973's Bobby. The characters are locked in a room and their key has been lost. Can they resist the urge to give into their teenage passion do they even want to resist? There are there are sections where it goes in italics and occasionally that is to give you a scene from the Raj, the film they are filming. And occasionally it is to give you kind of dramatised film scenarios, which I imagine if you're into Bollywood or references you would get, it would be like someone doing a cutaway and doing a Breakfast Club reference that maybe we would understand. But a lot of the kind of sexy romantic moments are framed through this kind of Bollywood lens, which I think is a thing that the it's what bollywood films do isn't it there's a lot of like fantasy and music and stuff so i assume so we get to like our first sort of sexy bit where in this fantasy it says she straddles his hips pulling his shirt from the waistband of his skinny cords and bends to lick every centimeter of skin she uncovers then her hair spills forward across the taut washboard of his abs and her warm mouth engulfs him she is a quick study at such things learning the rhythm and exact pressure swirling her tongue around the head of him until is begging her to stop no for more no to stop no more until he knows nothing except how much he needs her and how he's cursing the foolish self-restraint he's been operating under this far when she has him beaten wringing every last drop of pleasure from within him trish rocks back on her heels wiping the back of her hand across her mouth and smiling with triumph harsh's glassy eyes meet hers and he tells her he is sorry he's sorry he waited this long to accept her offer of friendship and he offers her forever that was sexy it is i think that's the thing is that a lot of it is it is pretty sexy and it's all to do with the again i imagine if you get the references the framing of it kind of heightens the like romance stuff in it so after the sex scene we're sort of pulled back into reality with everyone having a little chat getting to know each other and we learned that there are two gentlemen who two actors who are going to be coming on to set shortly but they're not here for the beginning and they are called sam and vikram everyone's like oh my god they've got sam and vikram working together on a set shit is about to hit the fan and apparently last time they worked together their dressing room looked like it had either been a lover's tiff or a lover's makeup sesh no one's quite sure what happened but they haven't been seen together since they don't work with each other it's all very mysterious it was like the big drama of that film had been that sam and vikram had trashed a dressing room between them there's like a big thing where they're like i don't know if the producers have done this on purpose or if this was somehow like a booking error because they would not work together if they had the choice after that we get another scenario sex scene which is 1998 kutch kutch 
Hotter High. I think these must be films. Oh shit, we should have done so much more research for this. I'm really sorry, everyone. We should have done no, more it's research. Fine. Neither of us did. It's fine. <laughs> so this is sort of Avi's fantasy sex scene with Michael. It says, Michael's palms slide up Avi's red shirt, popping buttons as they travel, and he doesn't even care that he's ruining expensive silk. All he cares about is this moment with this man, who has been the only one for him since the second they met. Their breaths mingle in a heavy, humid air. They sway towards each other, nearly kissing, and Avi cups his cheek with one hand. The twinkle lights lining the gazebo catch a glint of his wedding band, and Michael feels the hesitation ripple through him before he reaches it. And it says, are you afraid? Avi is never afraid of anyone. Good, Michael thinks with relief. And then they stumble against one of the gazebo posts, hands fumbling and tearing at what's left of their clothing. Avi's fingers close around his cock, stroking in time to the pounding downpour. He grips Avi's muscled ass, teasing the cleft with rainwater and clear intent. Kissing each other is practically the last step, but for him the most crucial. He closes the gap between them and takes Avi's mouth. Something undeniable happens between them something he doesn't really even understand because the big thing that we get as well is avi fancies michael but it's not one-sided like michael really really fancies him and the, the way you describe trishna is he says every straight man wanted to fuck her and most gay men he knew wanted to be her partly because she's like beautiful and has makeup contracts and all its films and is like a big film star and one of the big things that she has is avi and who wouldn't want that they've done the first day of going and speaking to everybody and all this kind of stuff and then they're having sort of a drink and so they're all kind of milling around having a chat that kind of sort of mingly time and this is when we get kind of more of Harsh Harsh is watching Trish from across the room he's got his gin and tonic and he's like she's really beautiful and we realise that what we assumed were Trish's unreciprocated feelings for Harsh are very much reciprocated we just never find out why they've never done anything about it and he says Trishna looks great just kind of like offhandedly and Avi gets very possessive of her for someone who's just been actively trying to fuck somebody else she always looks great like a goddess untouched and untouchable we and then we get a bit where he's like of course he touched her hours ago all over marking her skin with his teeth and gentle scoring of his nails he had her in ways that harsh could only dream about except even harsh's dreams were probably sanitized by a sensor board he was too good too clean to have a single filthy thought so they still have like a very active sex life whilst trish and harsh are having this sort of back and forth abby goes for a fag with michael and starts to be like well you know i like you you like me let's get down to business michael's a bit like "Mm, i don't think i can do this because you know you've got a wife and this is a bit weird and then avi says that they're polyamorous michael sort of says to avi i don't like to share especially not with women too many cases of straight guys looking to experiment it's not my scene you understand and then avi goes i like women i like men i don't need to experiment the theory has been proven all right which i thought was quite good yeah and i think that's like and it's a again it's a whole other thing but the fact that even someone who is within the lgbt community is kind of questioning whether avi knows what he's doing and stuff and he's like i do let's just rest assured that i know what i'm doing i am confident around a vagina and an asshole and a dick so please don't question my credentials <laughs> i have receipts i will count bump you yeah <laughs> um then avi kisses him just kind of out of nowhere they're having this back and forth about like where they stand i don't think i can do this we're polyamorous we should whatever and then he just kisses him and michael's getting into it michael's like kissing him because i think he kisses he tries to kiss him quite like ferociously and michael's like no 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 we're gonna calm this all down i think the difference in their relationships is that avi and trish being that sort of power couple would both be fairly ferocious Again, like how I imagine a Hamilton and Angelica, if they were banging, I think it would be like a certain high speed tempo. Whereas Michael's a bit more like, you've got to slow this down. Like you can go slower and it still be hot. They kind of pull away and then Michael's like, I don't, was it? I don't like to share. Not even for what would no doubt be a sodding amazing fuck. Oh, I bet it would be. And then we get to another sort of fantasy scene. They really die out these fantasy scenes towards the end whenever I actually starts fucking each other because you get it real then yeah this is like the wish fulfillment bit at the beginning before there's actually any real sex happening so this is michael and avi doing the dostana together and it's it's more romantic i think then it's more like they're kissing and it's a bit more tender as opposed to just going straight in with the with the sex it says everything melts away except for the feel of michael flush against him and their painfully blatant erections straining against the zippers of their jeans begging for more than just the friction 
infection of denim. A boner in denim must be really painful, actually. Yeah, yeah, it must be very uncomfortable. If you're not wearing pants, but then I think you have to wear pants with denim. Yeah, I would say so. I'm not making these rules. I'm just saying for my own personal preference. Because I don't really go commando. No, I don't. And I think as well, because with denim, the tends like the seams could be quite uncomfortable. You need like something between you and like that. Anyway, <laughs> we snap back into real life whilst they're outside having all these kisses and doing all this we come back to Harsh and Trishna who are inside still having a chat Harsh is a bit like oh I came with Michael I should probably go find him so that way we can get like a taxi home together we're looking after each other in this film sort of thing Harsh says though he may be getting a ride from your husband right now eh and Trish is like not having any of it and she bitch slaps him across the face, which... Yeah, which I think is, um, I mean, maybe a little bit strong. Maybe, like, quite a harsh reaction, but... But it's Bollywood, isn't it? You want those overreactions. You want it all to be, like, yeah, it's not... It's, it's EastEnders, isn't it? You don't want it to that's be... That's true, the <laughs> melodrama. Yeah, and that's it. She's just, like, you go too far. And he's, like, I think I haven't gone far enough. And then she struts away. And then we have another cut scene from a film that we that we don't know. 1969's Ardhana? Ardhana. Ardhana, yeah. Which are these these lovers who have been married in secret and now they're like having their first night together and there's a dozen reasons why it's forbidden and all this kind of stuff. And again, it's it's fairly graphic in that he bears her down into the cushion of their still drying clothes, nudging her thighs apart with his knee. The blunt head of his cock teases her sex. He still hesitates, even though she is wet and ready and saying yes. Her nails dig into his shoulders, urging him on, and it seems an eternity until he finally gives in burying himself deep inside her with one sure stroke it's pretty graphic it's quite obvious what's happening i like it that it's the blunt head of his cock it's not sharp <laughs> it's a blunt we yeah like it's not it's not really pointy it's not sharpened it's not it pointy. like ready to go it's <laughs> and we come back out into reality and harsh and michael are in the taxi together and they're both being sort of awkward and quiet because obviously michael's got a lot going on in his brain about this case he's had with avi and harsh is kind of feeling a bit bad about what he said to trish and they're like go on say what you're gonna say like let's get it all out of the way everyone's a bit like i don't know what you mean he's like we're gonna bang these people but maybe we should be careful harsh is like i think you're making a mistake with Avi and Michael's like I think you're making a mistake with Trish and they're like no everything's fine and so they both kind of acknowledge that they are both well aware of what is happening this kind of becomes a thing all the way through as well as this like all the time being in it together kind of the idea that like Harsh and Michael don't necessarily owe each other anything but they are being like we're the two other people in this marriage yeah so we need to stick together in the way that they're gonna stick together and I like that she ends this chapter there's lots of chapters which I thought was good considering Witches of Eastwick had like three and they were chunky and I just wanted to get them over and done with we haven't had a book that's had this many chapters in before but I liked it so she ends this chapter by saying Michael knew all too well that if he and Harsh were to let Avi and Trish under their skin even a dip in the Ganges wasn't going to cleanse them of their sins Ugh. So they know how filthy they're all being. So then we're doing some some scenes. They're on the, the film. Whilst they're getting down to business acting, Abby's starting to get out of control and he's like drinking more and staying out later. He's basically mad that he can't bang Michael. So he's acting out like a sport little brat. And Trish is like, you need to calm down. You need to become the man that I know you are. Yeah, basically you're being a brat and I'm the one who has to pick up the pieces and we're both going to be affected by this if you fuck up and like make yourself look like a twat on this film set because you're being drunk and spoiled. He's also brooding because he's like, I see the way that you look at Harsh as well. Like it's not just me in this situation. It's the two of us. And she's like, at least I'm not being a little bitch about it. And she's like, I want what makes you happy. I want you to be happy and you're obviously currently not. But she's like, I'm still your wife and you owe me the decent respect of not being a prick after this avi goes and confronts harsh on the set and is like keep your greasy little mitts off my wife she's mine and he's a bit like mm, i'm not doing anything but if she's looking i can't put up a brick wall around me to stop her he said with trish you have to act demand do you know what she likes in bed what a tigress she is in my arms how she likes taking the lead and directing every movement she's insatiable and she'll do anything i was her first her desires are all my making and then harsh smiles back her desire may be all of your making avi but her love is all mine so we get this little 
tension. I like it. Yeah, and I love as well, there's all the way through this whole book, there's so much of them being like, they're these massive film stars, but none of them are doing a very good job of acting like they don't want to bang everyone on this set. They're like, yeah. you're supposed to be a good actor, but like, you're making eyes at my wife, so calm down. You're not. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you're not you're not trying very hard with this. And then they go to a party. They've got the night off. It's an on-set party, you know, a chance midway through for everyone to let their hair down, have a little bit of fun. Harsh tells Trish that he can't sleep with her because she's married. And again, there's a lot of this back and forth. And the back and forth each time is just the same conversation, but differently worded. So there's a lot of Harsh saying he can't sleep with her because she's married. And a lot of Michael saying he's not going to sleep with Abby because he's married. Yeah, so we're not going to, again, we're not going to get into it every single time. It's like each of their issues in a way, we know we know what it is because they mention it every 10 minutes that they're like, I'm just so conflicted over what I'm going to do about this married man that I want to bang. And whenever they speak, he's like, I can't bang you because you're married. And it's like, we got that bit. But it's when you read it, the back and forth is really dramatic. You're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then you're reading the same conversation. You know, it's going to happen. <laughs> you can see she was influenced heavy by soaps, can't you? It's very EastEnders. Oh, this is one thing I thought was funny as well. They're talking about music. They're all like listening to Snoop Dogg and smoking weed at this party, which I thought was interesting. We get a little kind of flash into Abby's life in New York, where we get the sense that he clearly had like a boyfriend that his parents didn't approve of. But also he was a drummer. He was in a band. And he's like, he's a really bad dancer. Like Michael and Harsh are really good dancers and he's not. But he's like, if I had drum sticks i can carry a beat that way but i'm not a dancer and he says what he had with trish was close to how he feels behind a drum kit because she let him constantly riff against her skin slapping and teasing her lush bottom like the taut heads of the drum but so they're at the party and everyone's dancing and avi can't dance so he's just kind of like observing everybody and he gets kind of moody doesn't he that he can't dance he's like grumbling to himself with a bottle of johnny walker he's getting like really drunk for sort of everyone else is like having a beer and having a chill and he's like downing whiskey out of the bottle but because he's gone off in a little huff michael follows him and they have this like interaction and michael's like do you think it's a good idea to down all of this because we've got an early morning call and he's like i'm one take avi all i ever do is one take and i'll be brilliant in the morning then they have like some bad blood between them yeah michael's like i don't want to have to do 30 takes because you're a mess and avi's like that doesn't happen i always get things right the first time and michael's like you could have fooled me buddy and then walks away and then the next bit is when we first get bits of the film they're not sexy they're just context so they're back on set they're filming Avi is clearly feeling rough, but he's doing it. And he is, he's hitting it. And Michael's like, God damn, I do have to say to him, he is, he's, he's hitting it. And there's also this side plot where there's this actress called Priya, who is really, really famous and who's been signed on to do a musical number. And there's some shit about her and the producer that no one cares about. This one we say like, there's loads of couples who are mentioning this, who are not important to the original plot. I did like when this Priya character was introduced and she comes into it and Trish is like saying, do you think she's prettier than me it's described as she's not asking out of jealousy it's just sheer curiosity that could someone be prettier than trish and i love that vibe like do you really think someone could be prettier like am i not the most attractive person in the world i'd love to have that confidence and that energy because he asked michael and the way he gets around it is being like i don't fancy girls and she was like yeah but objectively though and he was like and he was like i'm not having this conversation which is i think it's probably the correct response i don't think there's a right answer to give and then Abby like obviously because they've had the to do the night before Abby and Michael are sort of talking and he's like "Mm, yeah that was good but maybe you could do this and maybe like "Mm, yeah that was good but what about this and he's like yeah you did turn up and you were fine but like your pronunciation's all over the place and this kind of thing we get to Abby and this is the first time we actually get inside one of these main characters heads we sort of understand why they are doing the things that they are doing Abby explains why he fancies Michael because Michael's like you could be bumming any guy on this set and just have them as your little piece on the side and go back to your wife and and Abby says it's because every time I've seen you whether in a club or a party or across the room you look totally at ease it's because you know the names of everybody in the cast and crew and never shout at a single one of them that is a really fucking good thing if you're a nice actor you do not shout at any other members of the cast or any other members of the crew or the cleaning team 
or anyone around you. Just because you're an actor, you're not fucking God. And I would like to make that point known. Anyway, it's because you make wearing clothes look like a crime against the human body. And it's because you're a challenge. And I was like, oh, okay, so now we know. They're kind of having a lot of banter. They're like having genuine fun, like a big laugh together. And then Avi turns the flirt back on and Michael's like, nope, stop it. We were having, we were having a nice time. Why are you ruining it? So Michael and Harsh go back to their hotel and they've had what I've just described as some sad beers. They're like at the hotel bar and they're having some beers and like, oh, what do I do about my problem? Because inevitably they have the same problem. They do. They've kind of really bonded over the fact that they both want to shag like the separate halves of this married couple and they're both in the same boat in that sense. Harsh is very much like, what What if you go for it to Michael? It says, so what if um, Avi is who Ishwa has written in the stars for you? First love struck and then stressed. Now Harsh was painfully insightful. Then what will you do, Michael? You'll be crying into your kingfisher like I am. Shove off Harsh, Michael pulled a face, shrugging off his grip. If I ever cry, it'll be into a Heineken. <laughs> Love it. Loved it. I did ask this question to my partner. I was like, do you think a Heineken's better than a Kingfisher? And he said, yes, a Heineken is better. So there we go. But then we get back to Avi and Trish. He's drunk again. He's been smoking cheap cigarettes. And she's like, oh, basically you'd be in a dick. And then but he comes in and he's like, I'm really sorry. I feel like shit. And she's like, eh, you can't really apologize for it because I knew what I was doing when I married you. Like this isn't new. Like you can apologize for being a dick, but don't apologize for fancying a man because that's fine. And then we get this little look into how they met, which kind of sets the tone for the rest of their relationship in a way, because they were both at this soundtrack launch thing and she had a big frothy white dress on and he came over and told her she looked like an American wedding cake and she said that she wasn't wearing any underwear. And that, the rest is history. <laughs> like, they were straight in. And I like that. <laughs> an auspicious beginning to a beautiful relationship, eh? But it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of quite sad because they're talking about how they met and he's like touching her hand and they describe it as like he massaged her hands her wrists working his way up her bare arms foreplay for sex he didn't intend to have not with her at least and you can kind of see that this relation because she's like why haven't you touched me yeah she's like you're allowed to fancy men that's not new but you can't forget that I'm here too and he is so obsessed with Michael that he's just completely neglecting her and I think for her that's why she's like this is different this is different from all the other times and all the other men because normally we're like in it together and they're the other person but she's being made to feel like she's the third wheel in this like relationship which is sad and that's that's not what she signed up for so they're now on set after all of the shenanigans that have gone on and there is a fight scene that's being choreographed in the way they're doing it it looks like if you film it from one angle he's being punched all this sort of stuff so it's Avi punching Michael and Avi actually does it instead of faking it he punches him right in the face and all the makeup girls are like, oh, fuck, this is more work for us now. We're going to have to cover this bloody shiner up. It's a bit like, why have you done this? And the reason that it's happened is pretty much because he won't sleep with him. So Avi has used his fists and not his words, which we don't condone. Yeah, and Michael's like, do you just knock around every guy who refuses to shag you or am I special? And Avi says, you didn't have to refuse. And he's like, well, Trishna was at the same party. Like, you shouldn't even have asked me, really. And then we, again, we slowly get into more of Michael's character and that Michael does actually want to bang Avi. And it says Michael wanted honesty. He wanted integrity, commitment, passionate confessions and stupid musical numbers and a yellow field of flowers. Michael wants the full package. He doesn't want to just be someone's bit on the side. Which I think is completely fair. Yeah, I feel like that's the least that anyone would expect. Some people can do it. Michael obviously can't. Respect his wishes. Michael says that he wants true love and Avi's like, basically grow up mate. Like, I stopped believing in that when I was 20. And the way that Michael describes it is he wants to tell him rest with me and be with me and fight with me and fuck me. But he couldn't promise to trust a man who didn't trust himself and I think that's fair yeah absolutely I think Avi's just not like a safe bet for him to start messing around with honestly
obviously. And he spent so long being like messed around with straight guys who are experimenting that he can't really get involved with someone who can't give it its all. And I completely get that. And then he just goes off. Harsh and Michael go back to their taxi rides together, you know, where they're having the deep chat after set. And they're both sort of saying to each other like, for fuck's sake, should we just give in? Is it easier? Should we just do this? Should you do it? And Michael's a bit like, to Harsh, of course you want me to do it so that I'm the home wrecker. You're not the home wrecker because you've got your reputation. Yeah, because if he goes off with Avi, then Trish is free and then he can take Trish, exactly. Yeah, and, and take otherwise Trish. Otherwise it's all yeah. left to him. And I'm forever the scornful person. Exactly. And Harsh is a bit like, mate, that's like, that's not fair. I've, you know, been in love with Trish for like 10 years and I've never done anything about it, whatever. And now you're swanning in after 10 minutes and want me to, to be the one that breaks up this marriage so that you can have this guy sort of thing. They actually sort of decide to take each other's advice and they bang the people that they want to bang. So we start off with Harsh sneaking into Trish's hotel room. She thinks it's Avi. Avi's still out on a bender. It turns out it is Harsh coming in. And she offers him a drink um, and he's like, no, I'm not here to drink. And she's like, well, why the fuck are you here then? And he's like, I can't stop thinking about you. I like these two descriptions. She'd gone from ice queen to a lunatic in mere minutes. So it's good to know as women, we have two two settings. Oh, absolutely. Just that dichotomy, like Madonna and whore, ice queen and lunatic. But um, the skies rain flowers when you walk down the street. Choirs sing. Rivers fill with fish and fields with crops. Whores become virgins. God knows I feel like a virgin. Oh, no. It's not sexy. But they start kissing. He pulled back, lips trailing across her cheek and breath ragged in her ear. She fisted her fingers and the hair at his nape, hard enough to elicit a gasp of pain. Don't you dare stop now. If you do, I'll kill you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so dramatic. And he's like, I'm just, just breathing, breathing. on like, give me a sec. <laughs> I really like that. And then he reaches down to stroke beneath the waistband of her panties, finding where she was so needed for him. His fingers slid through her slick folds and Trishna was overcome with sensation, riding his hands and feeling stars explode behind her eyelids with each bit of glorious friction. Then he was unzipping his jeans, breaking apart from her only long enough to help her kick off her underwear, rid himself of his own and produce a condom from his wallet. Very good. I was about to say, this is one of my favourite things about this is how pro-condom and pro-lube. They have like stashes of lube around everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Avi literally at all times is carrying lube like in his pocket. It's amazing. Very sex positive and I mean realistic I suppose as well actually using protection. And we don't see that enough in sex that people take that minute to put the condom on or find the condom. More real, exactly. And then it says he was pushing into her, sinking deep, uniting them with nothing but a thin layer of latex between them. <laughs> you never forget, it's always there. And like we respect that. It's sexy and it's safe and that is a very very, very important. And then while that's happening, we kind of separately go to Avi and Michael. And Avi is being such a drama queen. He's just lying on the grass. He's drunk. It's so fucking angsty, isn't it? It's so teenage angsty. There's lying on the grass with a bottle of whiskey. So emo. Oh God, yeah. I mean, like I've definitely done that. Like we've all been there when you're at a house party and you're feeling sorry for yourself, just like lying in the garden. And then Michael comes and finds him and is like, oh, what are you doing being a little drama queen on the grass? Get up. They sort of have a chat about Trish. And then they just start at it. When Avi unzipped his fly and palmed his cock through the thin cotton of his shorts, he made an inarticulate sounds of pleasure, rising up to grind against his fingers. He clutched Avi's shoulders, blunt nails biting through his t-shirt and whispered demands like faster and harder. And right there, Avi slipped Michael's throbbing cock in his fist, tormenting him until all the clipped English had a quick and dirty flip with the filthiest Hindi he'd ever heard in his life. Fuck, 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 Michael panted, the grip on Abby's shoulders growing painful. So I like that she can write hot sex scenes that's heterosexual and homosexual. Like, that's hot for me. Absolutely. Like, it is hot. And I think it's really authentic kind of both ways because they have, there's not so much of it in this bit, but later on they also have conversations like about who's gonna top and stuff like that. Questions that you just don't need to ask in heterosexual situations. And I thought that that was good because it just shows that like a level of thought has gone into it and it's really sexy. And he goes to his wallet and he says that he's got these like absurd flavours of lube like cherry or grape or guava. He slipped two greased fingers into himself preparing. Like I love it. There's thought gone into it. They're planning. It's not the we just need passion. It's hang on, let me... 
But I suppose this is the thing, like he just doesn't wanna, he doesn't wanna hurt him, he says it. And that's nice. And he doesn't wanna share him either. It's this sort of like weird, sweet moment that makes it a bit awkward where Avi says, you're mine forever. And Michael's like, ha, that's not true. And it's very much, he's kind of said it in this like heat of the moment thing. What you say in the coming moment is a very different thing to what you, what you actually mean. So then we do this kind of chapter skip and we're back with Harsh and Trish and she's asleep and he's kind of up and thinking about everything that's happened and how um, he's gonna have to get up soon and all this. And then Avi and Michael kind of rock into the room and see him there and they're like oh this is unexpected um all four of them as i said to hannah before we started recording i was like this is very a midsummer night's dream this bit here you know when two couples go into the forest and then the fairies get involved and they all come out with like mixed up this this is this bit but instead of just owning the different couples they come out with they're like i guess we're gonna have to live as one big happy family of four so that their version of e doesn't find out yeah they're like you're gonna have to stay together for we can't break up now because it will spoil the film and then all the promo is based on this like Bollywood golden couple being in the film together so they have to stay together until they've finished promoing the film but in the meantime they're like we want this new relationship set up we want these two couples to be able to work and so as a result we're all going to have to work as a four and just kind of keep each other's secrets really four of them are all getting really close and Michael starts calling Trisha's sister-in-law. It's like a friendly nickname on set, but like, it's not cute. It's, not. it's really it's... gross. And then we don't really hear any more about this relationship. It kind of goes on the back burner after this scene. So we still get bits of them as the plot goes on from here. But it turns out we hadn't realised this is two sort of short pieces put together as opposed to one long piece because I thought they just gave up on this relationship and the second half of the book was out about different people, but that's not the case. The rest of it is just them being happy and cracking on with it that's like not important to necessarily the rest of the story like now they all know where they stand and instead we move on to sam and vikram who are the ones who are mentioned at the beginning as the couple who had broken up and couldn't work together. And just to say as well, with this foursome, everyone on set realistically knows what's happening. And it goes back to what Hannah said previously. They think they're good at acting, but they cannot keep this. Not a secret. Yeah. So we learn more about Sam and Vikram. Sam himself has had addiction problems in the past. A producer sent to sort of babysit him and make sure that he's not gonna flip out or take drugs and ruin everything. And he's a bit like, oh, I can't believe I've got this babysitter but if I was a producer like I know how actors get and I would definitely be on his shoulder being like have you done any drugs today okay don't because I'm please don't do any Vikram has a son with this woman he was married to they literally they married for like five minutes however many years ago and his son is a teenager and he's kind of trying to stay sober for him he says his son's like the best therapist ever he just kind of really keeps him on the straight and narrow we see Sam's opinion or maybe not not opinion but like what actually happened as we said at the beginning in this why was the dressing room turned upside down it kind of was argument and then it was set and we get this flashback to it like sam's off his face on set and vikram's like look i'm worried about you your son's worried about you you really need to sort yourself out grow up be a father to your son and that kind of really strikes a chord with sam and they have this fight and then they're kissing it's really dramatic but it's the last time that they saw each other and he says it's the last time he's going to let vikram direct his life but now he's sober he's been to rehab and sam sort of says now that he's clean that vikram is this drug for him he's he's not addicted to drugs anymore he's addicted to vikram because if you once an addict always an addict sort of mentality because they always say that don't you that you'll replace the bad stuff with yoga or something else and i mean he doesn't necessarily think that vikram is a healthy channel for that energy no and i feel that we've all been in toxic relationships haven't we like we've all been there and part of it is this thing where like he still smokes and his son says to him maybe you shouldn't smoke because 
because one bad thing will just lead to another. Like if you're still actively addicted to one thing, then that acts as a gateway for other things. And I mean, maybe that's true because he very much like replaces drugs with Vikram. And then Vikram arrives on set and we have a flashback to how him and Sam had first met. And it's that they were touring the States together for some reason. And like Vikram's babysitting him. He'd kept an eye on him and eventually more. Somewhere along the way, they'd struck up an easy friendship. And somewhere between New York and Chicago, he'd woken up with Sam's mouth on him. That smug, self-satisfied mouth that looked like it only knew how to curl in disdain. At two o'clock in the morning, wrapped around his cock, it was the thing of beauty. Sucking, licking, scoring his balls with teasing teeth. But he hadn't even known for certain Sam was gay until that moment. It was kind of incontrovertible proof. The foursome were all in bed together. It's like, you know when you're getting ready for a night out and you're like throwing outfits out of the box and three of your pals are on the bed discussing who's going to be out that night and what the drama is. That's that situation, but they're discussing Sam and Vikram. And she's getting ready and they're just like chilling and obviously like chatting. And they're like, men don't gossip, darling. We discuss. And she's like, for fuck's sake, like why are the three of them now? Like one was difficult. Yeah, so they, they're starting to bond and it's quite fun watching them. And then we get Sam and Vikram's first meeting on set and it's tense. And the crew were a bit like, oh, fuck this shit. This isn't what we need. We just need to finish this before monsoon season really hits because it's a coming. Yeah, and they're like taking bets on who's going to kick off at who first. And obviously they just don't want this to fuck up all the filming and stuff. Um, But obviously it's big drama as well. It's interesting. Sam and Vikram bang. And it doesn't really explain. We could go into how they get to this point, but it's not overly interesting it's a lot more of it's more of that like pithy build up dialogue and every time it happens as well it's exactly the same like the kind of conversation they'll have will be that Vikram is scared of getting involved again and he kind of doesn't want to go there with Sam but also Sam has very much decided that this is the way to exercise Vikram from his system is to just bang him all the time rather than trying to get back with him sort of romantically but Vikram never tries to stop him like Vikram goes along with it and every time they'll bang and then Sam will just immediately get up and storm off and Vikram's like okay cool this is a this isn't fun but it's just a big mess the whole situation they shed their jeans Vicky's they call him Vicky lost their jeans lost Vicky's shirt and nearly went sprawling over the sofa instead of landing safely on the cushions no perfect choreography for this nothing except fingers roughly pulling at each other's cocks Vicky knew Sam liked short fast strokes Sam knew Vicky liked it when he licked him from groin to knee even years apart couldn't erase what their body new. It's very much that thing of like it being an old habit isn't it and when you know someone and what they like and they're there. And I think the sexiest thing is um, Vikram describes Sam as smelling of that unique combination of smoke, sex and sandalwood. Get me a candle of that honey (laughs) like yes. Oh, can I have the smoke, sex, and sound? Joe Malone, sort me out, please. Oh my god, that's the whitest thing you've ever said. Is Joe Malone on this podcast? As <laughs> <laughs> if I can afford a Joe Malone candle, who do I think I am? But then the next kind of thing that happens is that the foursome seem to have taken it upon themselves to try and like match make Sam and Vicky and try and like solve everybody else's problems. Like they don't have enough drama of their own. And it's almost like Harsh and Michael have sort of decided that they feel bad for having ruined a marriage. So they're like, oh my God, we need to sort this out for her. <laughs> we need some good karma back for her, for the, the home wrecking that we did. So Michael and Harsh take Vikram to one side and they're kind of like powering up to him like, so how are things? And it turns out as well that Harsh has got mad, mad gossip on this set because he's like a nice lad and people trust him. I like the fact that Vikram's a bit like, we all know what's going on. And Abby's like, our group is invite only. No new members need apply. But sex is a great idea. Take Sam, get your Dostana on and you'll feel much better. So they're sort of encouraging the two of them to bang to get these frustrations out on set. And they're like, oh, we've already, uh, already done that. But they don't tell them that they've already done that and they're just sort of like banging and feeling bad about it and banging and feeling bad about it and that goes on for a bit and then the next sort of thing that happens is that Sam is filming a scene and Vikram gets a phone call from Sam's son obviously Sam's not answering his phone so Sam's son's like panicked and Vikram's reassuring him that like oh no he's just filming he's not kind of fallen off the wagon and when Sam comes off set and finds out that he's spoken to his son like he loses his shit he's like he is my son he is like the one thing that I still have you lost your right to 
have anything to do with him. And I get it's a difficult one because for three years they've been going out. So obviously his son saw Vikram as an uncle. And that's what they say later on is when they have a big blow up, Vikram's like, I broke up with you. I didn't break up with your son. And also the thing that Vikram says is I was the one he was calling while you were in rehab. I've been his father figure for the time we were together and even now that we're not. And he's kind of like, you can tell me not to have anything to do with him, that's fine. But you can't tell him that if he needs someone, he can't call me because I've been that person for him. But they have this big blowout in front of everybody about this. And basically, like literally in front of everybody kind of boils down to Vikram saying, I love you, but I can't do this. They sort of storm off in separate directions. So Trish and Avi, they essentially not buy off the crew's silence, but they convince the crew not to go spilling to like... Yeah, they're like damage control. Damage control, yeah. And then I can't remember who goes off with who, but I think Michael goes off with Sam and then Harsh goes off with Vikram. And Michael being an out ish homosexual man uh, says to Sam when did you first know that you were gay and Sam's a bit like oh I was nine and I was watching this film and I realized I first felt something so he's like okay cool when did you first get drunk he was like 10 I broke into my dad's liquor cabinet and he's like cool okay so when did you first start smoking I was like 11 when did you first start doing marijuana oh I was 16 when did you first do cocaine? Oh, I was 19. So then in a really, I thought it was a really nice moment. Michael's like, do you realise you've never been sober and gay? And that maybe you're doing all of this because you haven't come to terms with the fact that you're gay? Like, it's not the world's fault. It's not Vikram's fault. It's nobody's fault. You are just who you are are and you have to accept that and it's like having all the other things going on you've been able to like ignore that part of yourself almost but now that you've exercised all these other demons you can just live your life as the person that you are without having all those substances and things to hide behind especially when you think about the fact that they say that when people come out that they experience almost that like second adolescence that they're sort of experiencing all these things for the first time as their true self and he's doing it for the first time at like 30 odd because his whole adult life has been defined by these substance abuse problems. And I feel like this is something that's been really, really sensitively handled and really fairly handled in the book. Like it's just a thing that's happened to this character. And obviously it's a big part of his personality, but he's not like judged for it. And I feel like, I mean, the main thing that the problem that Vikram has is that he's scared that Sam is gonna do the same thing to him that he did last time. And that's what they kind of point out to him is Sam's a different person. Sam is, he's clean now and you need to trust him as a new person, as a sober person who's been on this set doing his job. And so the character really gets that rehabilitation. Eventually, Michael and Harsh come back to set. Trish and Avi are like, oh my days, what just happened? and they don't spill that tea. Subsequently, Vic and Sam sort of see each other and it says, I'm sorry, he began, but Vicky cut him off with a shake of his head and a soft noise of dismissal, followed by an even softer kiss to his bare throat. Don't talk, Sam. You'll only hurt us both. Just feel. Which I thought was nice. And then they have this really like sexy, Bollywood, dramatic confrontation scene on this roof and it's really hot. The hottest, yeah. Oh my God. They're like kissing each other and Vikram's tongue flicks across Sam's nipple. He's like trying to get his clothes off and he's like, I want you, I need you so much. And he's like, we're on the roof. Anyone could come up here. And he says, then they'll get a show. Let them take it to the fucking censor board, baby, because I think the Raj needs a love scene in the rain. And just to get really like English student for a sec, it's sort of like pathetic fallacy in that there's been all this like tension building up and up. And then as this tension releases, the rain happens and it's really like steamy and so dramatic and sexy and I loved it <laughs> oh my god it is honestly everything it says Sam rode the lightning and reveled in the thunder somewhere in the middle of it all he and Vikram forgave one another and the slate was washed clean ah so good and because it's the best scene we're not gonna read it we're to not you. gonna read it there's yeah. a lot more <laughs> a lot more build up and then it's the end and we get an epilogue fucking love an epilogue um in which Avi wins a Bollywood Oscar he was up against 
harsh but of course harsh being the saint that he is was happier that Avi won and he gives his speech and he comes back and he's like oh I had to kiss my quote-unquote wife to say like oh look at how happy I am I'm kissing my wife but realistically I went back and I whispered in Michael's ear like it's all for you baby you're the one and it's so like dramatic on like he's on stage he's looking at the audience and you can see his little foursome all looking proudly and Sam and Vikram are over here sat as close to each other as they're allowed to be and everyone is just happy happily ever after everyone's happy and that's how it should end so Hannah how wet did you get was it like the ocean how wet did you get were you drier than the desert how wet did you get did this book make you come? Um, no. <laughs> it I didn't. really enjoyed it, it. it. No, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about Bollywood. I thought, just generally, I really enjoyed reading it. I think the sex scenes could have maybe been like a little bit more fleshed out, perhaps. It's almost like, in principle, it was sexier than it was in practice. Like, maybe there was a little bit of something missing. Wow, oh, what would I give it? Overall, maybe like a five? point five because I did really enjoy reading it and I would definitely read more from this author because for a first book I thought it was really good so I read the book and then I went back and read the author's note and I was like oh yeah you can totally see this is her first book and I don't know why I say that because I'm not an author and I'm not someone who actually reads I only read for this podcast but I could totally get it and I would be interested to read more to see if she's progressed into sexier sex scenes because although as we said in principle they should be hot there was just something lacking about I don't know if there was the lacking about the connection with the characters or lacking with the connection of the sex scenes maybe I wanted it to go a little bit further to be like the yeah I feel like this one just needed like like a little sprinkle of something extra to kind of really marry up that connection between the characters maybe I think this work has the potential to become Bollywood Jilly Cooper because it's got the drama it's got the silliness it's got the fun like it's got the tension it's just missing Jilly's sexiness yes. I think definitely so I think we'll be revisiting this author and we'll let you know how it goes but you don't have to take our word for it because as usual we have scoured the depths of the internet for reviews um what did Amazon think of this one Moles? oh there wasn't a lot on Amazon to be honest Uh, so usually when we do this section we do it because someone has written a funny review and I couldn't find anything that was a funny review I found one that sort of felt like I felt and this person's called Red Raider it was left on the 30th of January 2020 so it's fairly recent needed a touch more Bollywood body I haven't read much of the blurb so I didn't know what to expect it's two thirds of love quadrangle and the remainder a second chance romance lots of tension but much of the actual sex is brushed over there's a curious lack of scene setting in many of the chapters which could have flushed out the stories a bit more nevertheless I did enjoy it and that's all I could find that really represented yeah I think that's fair enough so the Goodreads reviews were fairly mixed sort of around the three kind of star mark there were quite a few that said they felt it could have been spicier which I think I agree with and that quite a lot happens and there are a lot of characters for a relatively short piece of work I think knowing that it's two stories the way it works kind of makes sense but if people read it in the way we did initially not knowing it was two stories I think there is a bit of like it feels a little bit rushed in places you definitely don't get that connection with the characters which is what you need to really make it sexy but there was a couple of reviews I've picked out that were a bit more specific someone called KJ Charles reviewed it gave it 3.5 stars and kind of said they rounded it up a little bit because it's a first book and for the sheer exuberance of it which I think is quite a good way of describing it it's a multi-strand romance gay and straight and bi set in the Bollywood movie scene the backdrop was tremendous and vivid the language is gorgeous it has a slight jerkiness because first book but I'm definitely reading more by this author and more Bollywood because that was amazing and I agree with that I think it's clearly obviously not like the best thing I've ever read in my entire life but I enjoyed it and I'll give it that and there was a review I wanted to mention from a woman who said that she had grown up with Bollywood as obviously as part of her culture and that all the references that were put in there are to real films and that even though she doesn't really like immerse herself in the culture that much the references and stuff really helped like bring that Bollywoodness alive and she got a lot of the film things and so that's quite cool 
recall that it was really well peppered in. If you have read this book or anything else by this author, please get in touch, let us know. If you've got any other sexy Bollywood times to recommend us, like we are definitely up for trying some more. We are here for it. If you've got anything else to recommend us in general, any thoughts, feelings, opinions, you can find us on Twitter at LitGagPod, on Instagram at LiterallyGaggingPod, Facebook, just search it, you'll find it. And we are LiterallyGaggingPod at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe where you can. Every subscription means a lot to us. Please tell your friends about this podcast. If you liked it, please let your pals know because you never know, they might not like books, but they might like us. We're nice people. We're not nice people. We're fun people. (laughs) (laughs) Stay safe. Stay at home. Wash your hands and stay in and have a wank. Stay warm. Wear your mask. Have a wank. Wash your hands if you are having a wank. Happy Diwali. Happy Diwali. I hope that everyone is able to celebrate even if it's just in bubbles or small family groups or whatever. Stay safe if you are celebrating. Take care of yourselves. But me and Molly are here to keep you entertained through these weird lockdown blues. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you all. Bye. A big thank you to Bobby Bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything to Bethany Southworth for our jingle and the other incidental music is from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech, the king of royalty free jams and saviour of media studies students the world over.